welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello there, good evening everyone, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Grab yourself a beverage, grab yourself a snack. It's an absolute pleasure to see you there. The pleasure is all mine. Gonna get a little bit blue tonight. Look, not, it's not gonna be that bad. We're not talking about full frontal nudity or anything like that. I just need to put out fair warning. Because <laughs> every now and then people get the wrong idea about what this show's all about. <laughs> We're gonna have some fun. Hot, dirty fun. Skull! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I am Boogie Bumper, your host, hopefully for the next, well, it's probably going to be a bit longer than an hour tonight. So much stuff to get through, so much stuff to wade through. We are we are armpit deep in smut and dirtiness. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We do have a little bit of smut. Like I said, damn, no frontal nudity already in the chat. <laughs> Thirstiest chat. On the internet. Need some waffle fries. Um, I do have to put out fair warning. Not because it's particularly X-rated, the stuff that I've got, but I do have like half a dozen items here. And they, they just kept piling up in my inbox. And I was like, well, you know, let's just do it all in one hit. But putting out fair warning, because every now and then, like, I think some people like, you know, they just browse around the internet. They browse around social media and they'll come across a program. They'll come across a broadcast and they might watch like five, ten minutes of it. And I might be in the middle of some, you know, very pro-Christian rant or something at that particular time. And they're like, oh, I like this guy. Follow. And then the next time they tune in, we're, t- tune in, we're talking about like robotic pe- penises malfunctioning and raping people. <laughs> what, what, what the hell is this? I didn't sign up for this. I don't like this anymore. This is disgusting. I'm like, well, this is kind of what it's always been, you know, to be fair. We kind of dance on both sides here. So you are, this is your trigger warning, ladies and gentlemen. This is your fair warning. If you're not interested in exploring, you know, the, the darker regions of the human psyche, then perhaps this program tonight isn't going to be for you. But it's not all smart. Not all smart. I may take my shirt off at some point, though. Just letting you know. You wouldn't want to see that. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like me to take my shirt off, then you can do you can ask me by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Again, fair warning. <laughs> it's not something most people would want to see. Uh, so much to get through, so little time. Before we get to any blue stuff, I feel like we have to cover our bases. We have to do a little bit of housekeeping and f- do a little bit of follow-up on yesterday's show. Yesterday, we did a deep dive into Chick-fil-A. And the people that watched it really enjoyed it. So thank you if you watched uh, that show. Thank you for sharing it out if you did. Um, It was very interesting to see, to actually dive into seeing what the success behind Chick-fil-A actually is. Because all we hear about is the culture war shit. Oh, they're, they're Christian bigots. And oh, they're only getting rich because Christian bigots are supporting them. When it's all garbage. It's all about how the business is structured. 
their high retention rate with employees, the way they pick their franchisees, the barriers to entry that they have are much lower than the competitors. The culture of the place, it's, it goes so much deeper than just culture war stuff. So I found it really interesting to shatter that narrative. But it all started because we came across an article where certain students at certain universities were protesting against the opening of a Chick-fil-A because they felt threatened by it. (laughs) They said, if a Chick-fil-A is on campus, we won't feel safe. And that's what piqued my interest, really, because I'm like, why would a chicken restaurant make anybody feel unsafe unless they're a chicken? Like, what is it? What could it possibly be about the chicken restaurant that makes people unsafe and makes them feel like they're in danger? Like, I, do, I don't understand it, right? But maybe I was looking at it all wrong. Maybe it's not the chicken restaurant at all that's making people feel unsafe. Maybe it's just people feeling unsafe at things that they shouldn't feel unsafe about. So a bit of follow-up came across this story. Look at this. Hooded sculptures drawing mixed reviews in California City. A group of sculptures depicting men with hoodies covering their faces outside of a California city hall are receiving mixed reviews from residents with some saying they find them threatening. Statues, ladies and gentlemen. Hooded statues. They find them threatening. (laughs) There are things that I might find threatening. Like, say, if somebody pulls a knife on me in a dark alley behind a strip club, I might find that threatening. If somebody hijacks a plane that I'm on, I might find that threatening. If somebody threatens me, I might find that threatening. But an inanimate object on lawn? (laughs) Who the hell could be threatened by that? (laughs) What is your problem, man? Like, you realise it's not going to snap into life. It's not going to come to life and chase you down the road. This isn't a horror movie. This is real life. This is reality that you're living in. You shouldn't be frightened by a statue. You shouldn't feel threatened by a statue. That doesn't make sense. That is completely irrational. You are not saying you need help at this point. You're seeing boogeymen and monsters where there are none. But let's have a look and see what's so threatening about this. So these are new... Oh, this looks very the sculptures threatening. outside Laguna Beach City Hall. They're turning heads. Oh, yeah. They're also disturbing some people. <laughs> so disturbing disturbing listen to the language being used here the sculptures depict a man wearing a hoodie with his face completely blocked from the sun while playing a lawn game and outdoor activity well the mess look look how these people are fearing for their fucking lives here come on (laughs) well you know some people have found these statues disturbing Uh, the very threatening statues statues Statues. ...is a social commentary. <laughs> Wait, what's it a social commentary on? Because that this is, a, this is more threatening. More threatening than the statues is usually the idea behind these ridiculous pieces of modern art, which make no sense. Well, the message is a social commentary on global warming. The- <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> the guy... The guy with a plunger using a plunger as a bow and arrow is a social commentary on global warming. Now I'm threatened because somebody came up with this idea. It's like, hey, man, we're going to blow some minds, man. We're going to red pill these motherfuckers on global warming. 
bro, it's like we've been fighting so long to get our message about global warming across to the people. It's like, how the hell? We need to step it up, man. We need to take it to the next level. Like, we got to blow some minds, bro. You know what I'm saying? Man, I got it. I got it. Let's get a guy in a hoodie shooting a plunger, a toilet plunger, like it's a bow and arrow. Man! That is just like, that is like, wow, bro. Like, man, you're a genius, man. How the hell did you come up with that? <laughs> Down with coal fire power stations. <laughs> it looks more like a commentary on, if, if it's a commentary on anything, it would be a commentary on illegal immigrants, you know, going on strike, no longer wanting to clean toilets. Like fighting back against the system. That's what it looks like to me. Why Why else would he have a toilet plunger in his hand? Toilet plungers are only useful in one set of circumstances. That is to unblock a toilet. <laughs> You're not fighting climate change with a toilet plunger, right? Warming. The installation got mixed reviews. Mixed tonight. reviews. And they look like terrorists. <laughs> Hello, America. Hello. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> they look like terrorists. <laughs> I believe it. Imagine being afraid of a statue with a toilet plunger. It looks like it's very threatening. It looks like a terrorist. And it really freaks people out at night. It freaks people out at night. Wow. As if wandering the streets of, you know, South Central LA wasn't freaking you out enough, you come across inanimate objects on the lawn out the front of City Hall. Oh, my God! <laughs> it's okay. I'm used to the drug dealer with the pistol. That's fine. I I'm used to the guy with the short blade tucked into his pocket. That's not a problem. We're used to that. But these terrorist-looking statues on the lawn, I don't know. I don't know if I can put up with this. It really freaks people out. Hi. I think it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. This, this art for Artist Colony Laguna Beach. Yeah, I like it. It's different for Laguna. <laughs> there, of course, you've got the wooden statue with the apple on his head for some unknown reason. The installation by artist Mark Jenkins. Someone was asking about the artist Mark Jenkins. The caretakers is scheduled to remain in place for three months. The, char the characters' faces are covered from the sun. The Post said the installation examines outdoor activities in the age of global warming. <laughs> there you go. So if you ever get there and you're confused about why people might feel threatened by a chicken restaurant, why people might feel oppressed by food and get angry at food and want to protest against dinner, maybe the chicken restaurant isn't to blame. Maybe, like, if, if, if we're at this stage now where people are feeling threatened by statues on lawns and feeling threatened by chicken restaurants, it's like the West is now ripe for the picking at this point. You realise that, right? Like, we're fucked. <laughs> if it's university students and whatnot, like, the boomers I don't mind so much because they're, they're kind of on their way out. But if the university students are the ones who feel most threatened by chicken restaurants and statues on city on, on lawns with apples on their head holding toilet plungers for some reason, this is the next generation of leaders, unfortunately. These are the people who are going to take over. CNN, ladies and gentlemen, just to back this up, CNN, uh, Chris Eliza put this video out the other day 
this is CNN now going. CNN is now going to explain to us why we should want to see politicians crying more often. Why it's a good thing to see politicians cry on television. Have a look. You know what I love, and I'm being honest here. A good cry sesh. Sometimes you just gotta let it out. Now they may not want us to know it, but politicians—they're just like us. Uh, they laugh. They smile. <laughs> I I hate this shit. Oh, politicians, they're just like us. Well, no, they're not. They're really not. Do you know how I know that they're not? Because I don't make decisions about how much tax my neighbours pay. I don't get to decide what is legal and what is illegal. I don't get to decide, like, how many people come into the country. So it's, I'm not just... Politicians are not just like us. They're not just like the rest of us. They are charged with a very specific job and a very important, you know, responsibility for the rest of us. It's not like, ah, oh, everybody, we're all the same here. No, 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 no. We're very different. I, You know, the rest of us aren't looking for careers where we can go out and figure out new ways to fuck people's daily life up. You know what I mean? We're not going out there looking for jobs which hand us power over the rest of us. That's not normal. So they're not like the rest of us at all. They're very different from the rest of us. And they should be thought of as different from the rest of us. Not better, but different, definitely. How they eat pork chops on a stick at the Iowa State Fair. Oh, it's just so natural. Just, it's just so natural and normal. Honey, can you get me a beer? Can you get me a beer, please, honey? My husband that I live with. I'm just so normal. Normal people stuff. And even sometimes... They actually cry. They cry. Take 2020 Democratic candidate Andrew Yang at a campaign event in August. Here's what happened. At a forum on gun control in Iowa, a woman who said her four-year-old daughter had been killed by a stray bullet back in 2011 asked Yang what he would do about unintentional shootings if he happened to be elected president. Yang immediately went, went into the crowd and hugged the woman. And as he returned to the stage, he said, I have a six and three year old boy that's imagining. <laughs> um, it's kind of awkward. Um, they're there. You know, when you just reach over and just pat your buddy on the shoulder, like, okay, man. Yeah, it's, um, pretty sad huh yeah um like do you want to go and like get some beers or something or do you do you, do you have somewhere else to be <laughs> Here's the th i don't know about i don't know about politicians crying and one of the things that happens in you know political pr and political spin is you try to turn your weaknesses into strengths and your strengths the strengths of your opponents into weaknesses right you try to flip things around so cnn is going to explain to us why politicians crying is actually a good thing this is what we want to see but i don't think it's necessarily accurate let's have a look i was imagining it was one of them that got shot and the other side Wow. I'm so sorry. Folks, this reaction is a good thing. <laughs> Says who? Says who? Like, is, that's your opinion. That's your opinion, Chris. 
Folks, folks, I'm here. I'm on television. I have glasses. I'm on CNN. You listen to me now. This reaction is a good thing, right? Don't have some empathy. Have some compassion. Don't you feel anything anymore? Why? It's simple. Collectively, we need oh. more empathy, more humanity, Do and we? more authenticity in our world. <laughs> Says who? Some people might say that we have far too much empathy in our world right now. So much so that people feel hamstrung, they can't even make basic decisions and make basic factual statements about the world anymore for fear that it might upset somebody. We just did a story where people feel threatened by statues on lawn. Do we really need more feelings? People are crying and feeling like they're in danger by chicken restaurants now. Do we really need more? <laughs> Authenticity, Gypsy in the... Well, see, you can be authentic, right? But I authentically want to see politicians who aren't going to, you know, crumple into a heap and start tearing up and crying when somebody poses a question to them at a town hall. And I, I don't want to sound sexist or whatever, but I, I have to say, and present company excluded, I feel like it's more of a female trait to see somebody crying and go, oh, the poor thing. Isn't he good? You know what I mean? Oh, oh, you know, like, isn't that, oh, it's just so authentic. It's okay to cry. You know what I mean? It's good to cry. And it's, it's, it's like an infantilization that's going on. Where we're being told we need to we need to constantly talk about how we feel all the time. You need to tell people how you're depressed. You need to tell people how you're scared. You need to tell people how you feel bad. But all of this airing of all of this negativity, all of this airing of all of these feelings of inadequacies and fear and being threatened and feeling like you're second right, is it necessarily helping? Or is the problem actually getting worse? Or are more people now falling over themselves to tell everybody how weak they feel, how helpless they feel, how inadequate they feel. And the women that I know, and may maybe I know the wrong kind of women, but the women I know do not see a male politician crying as a thing, like as something of strength. You know, they don't see it as a good thing. The women I know want to, if they saw a male politician crying, they'd be like, look at this big cry baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? Look at this big baby up here. Oh, it's pretty brutal like that. <laughs> and especially in our politics. Genuine emotion from a politician like Yang or any politician reminds us that they're human too. It's, it Emotion shows us that politicians really care. They really care, guys. See, so what this, what this, the subtext to all of this is obvious, right? On the one hand, on the political opposition to CNN and the Democrat Party, you have a politician that's probably not going to start crying when somebody asks a question at a town hall, right? Donald Trump doesn't come across as the crying type. Donald Trump comes across as more of the guys like, hey, would you stop your fu Why don't you stop your crying already? Take that out back. Big cry baby Yang over here. Can't address real problems because he's too emotional. You know what I mean? So they're trying to spin it around and say, well, if if you don't cry, then that proves that you don't care and you have no empathy and you're not a real human being. You're not like the rest of us. 
But when we start looking to politicians, like, do we really want politicians? Do we really want the leaders of the most powerful country on earth, the leaders of the free world, the leaders of our countries? Do we really want them up there? <laughs> or do we really want politicians who can take the worst possible news, the most uh, devastating kind of story, the most the most trying situations, the most stressful uh, situations and take them in their stride. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we need? Or do we need more crying? Do we need a good cry sesh? Do we need more crying on stage, on television from people just to show that they really care about us? That they really care? Or have we had enough of that by now? I don't know. You decide. You tell me. I, <laughs> the crying's good, guys. You should vote for the person that cries. It shows that they really care about you. Really? Hard pass. Hard pass. Sorry about that. And like I said, we're threatened now by chicken restaurants and statues on lawn. I, th I think we've had enough empathy for, for one, you know, generation. I think we've had enough of, you know, these outpourings of emotions which apparently make us feel more human. You know, it's also a pretty human trait to, uh, when life knocks you down, get back up and fucking, sorry to use a euphemism, take it like a man. You know what I mean? That's also a part of life. It's That also shows that you're human. If if humanity was reduced to a blubbering mess when sad things happen over the, last, over the course of human history, we wouldn't be here. We would have died out by now. We wouldn't be alive to tell the story if we were all sitting around crying and telling everybody how depressed we are all the time. Nothing would get done. <laughs> Which would just create more crying. And then you can see how it all goes downhill from there. Uh, another follow-up. I did promise this yesterday. Since we were talking about people getting angry at food, a few people have sent me this story, ladies and gentlemen, but I already had it on the rundown, but I just couldn't get to it. I couldn't get to it in the last couple of days. So today is the day. Perth Vegan demands neighbours stop cooking barbecues. Boo! You know, I'm a vegan for my own... Per I'm a vegan for my own personal uh, reasons. You know, I don't like the cooking of... I'm not going to try and force my beliefs down anybody's throat. <laughs> a Perth Vegan has taken her neighbours all the way to the, to the Supreme Court, demanding they stop smoking, bouncing balls, and even cooking barbecues in the backyard. Scylla Carden from Girraween in Perth's northern suburbs said she's fed up with the smell of meat cooking on the barbecue next door. How awful. I'm oppressed. I'm being oppressed by the wafting scent of lightly salted char-grilled beef steaks. How awful. They've put it there so I smell fish. All I can smell is fish. I can't enjoy my backyard. I can't go out there. Ms. Carden a massage therapist is also furious at cigarette smoke wafting into her yard. And the and this this will tell you, this might indicate what a joyless son of a bitch this woman is. And the sound of children playing with basketballs. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm not that much of a bad neighbor. I just really dislike uh, people cooking barbecues because the smell of meat is offensive. I don't like wafting cigarette smoke, which is fair enough. People don't like cigarette smoke. But more than that, what really annoys me is the sound of children playing happily in their own backyard. I can't stand it! <laughs> she sounds like a real treasure. 
It's been devastating. It's been turmoil. Turmoil. It's been unrest. I haven't been able to sleep. What are they cooking barbecues and playing basketball at three in the morning? What the hell are you talking about? Basketball at three in the morning? But one neighbor invited Nine News into the backyard to show that he's removed the barbecue and told his children to stop playing basketball. That's the see, that's big no. Big no no. That's big smacks. Sorry, kids. Dad, can we go out and play basketball? <sighs> Sorry, son. Uh, you see, the lovely late neighbor next door gets really offended by the sound of you playing happily and safely in your own backyard. <laughs> you need to stop. I'm sorry. Well, okay. Uh, what's for dinner? Uh, we're not having dinner tonight. Uh, see, the neighbor next door doesn't want us cooking barbecues. <laughs> Shit, I need a cigarette. Oh, no. <laughs> it's cancelled everything out. So here's the news report to go along with it. Perth vegan has taken her neighbours all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court? they stop smoking, bouncing balls and even cooking... Bar uh, you know what? I'm just super glad that um, the, the, the judiciary system, the court system, isn't being used for frivolous matters. I'm just glad that they're really tackling the big issues here in Australia. Barbecues. They, they, there must be nothing else going on at the Supreme Court. Rape, murder... Uh, laws governing the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done all that. We've done all that. Hey, hey, bring in that wacky uh, vegan chick who doesn't like the sound of kids playing basketball and the smell of meat. Bring her in. Have we got to that? We must be right at the bottom of the pile. Bring her in. Let's have a chat to her. Let's give us something to do. <laughs> in the backyard. Silla Carden says she'll do anything to get some peace and quiet. But a Fucking move then. How about that? <laughs> I'll do anything except anything. I will do anything. Buy some earplugs. How about that? You know, I'll literally do anything to get some peace and quiet except all of the obvious easy stuff. I'll do anything. I'll even take you, my neighbours to the Supreme Court. I won't move, though. Fuck that. I mean, I've got to get a truck. I've got to pack all the boxes. It's a nightmare. I've got to pay the removal company. But she's wearing a leopard shirt. I noticed that too. <laughs> I noticed that too. The first thing I noticed. Big animal rights girl. Judge says her neighbours haven't done anything wrong. This isn't your average neighbourhood dispute. It's a battle between a vegan and meat eaters, a health conscious <laughs> massage therapist and the barbecuers next door. They've put it so you, you smell fish. All I do smell is fish. <laughs> I, I, I can't I can't for the life of me imagine why this why this case was thrown out of only the Supreme Court of Australia between a vegan and meat eaters a health conscious massage therapist and the barbecuers next door <laughs> they've put it so just, you, you smell just, fish all I just I just, I just a fish fish everywhere all I can smell is the fish that like they've just put it so the, the I smell the fish all of the fish all the time smell is fish. Silla Carden is vegan and she's fed up oh. with the meaty smells coming from over the fence of her. Silla Carden is a vegan so the entire rest of the neighbourhood has to facilitate her beliefs. <laughs> the rest of the neighbourhood needs to stop living their normal life because she's a vegan, right? 
Jennifer Girawine Ho. See, I, I have a, an old mate who's a vegan. I haven't, I haven't met him. I haven't met him. I haven't seen him in a while. But he's the kind of vegan who will literally cook steak on the barbecue for other people. You know what I mean? He doesn't get all militant about it. He doesn't get all uppity about it. The smell doesn't make him go to the fucking Supreme Court searching for justice. You know what I mean? He just doesn't eat the shit. It's not up. He's like, no, no, it's just my personal choice. I don't eat it. But, you know, I'll cook it for you. I don't care. That's fine. You know why? Because he's a normal person. (laughs) Because he's a normal human being. So he doesn't race off to the police when somebody fires up the barbecue. He doesn't race off to the police when kids are playing basketball. He actually used to go around the children's hospitals on his day off and dress up like a clown and make them laugh for free, for nothing. Not part of any group or anything, just because he lived near a hospital. He's like, yeah, I'll go down there, cheer the kids up. You know what I mean? But these these are the people that are put up on pedestals. These are the people. The people that get on, you know, uh, corporate media and complain and whinge till the world bends to their will. Like, I think we've had enough empathy, right? You see what I'm getting at here? Have we not had enough of caring about people's feelings? Because as long as we keep giving fuel to this fire, as long as we keep putting charcoal briquettes on this barbecue of outrage, it's only going to keep firing. I can't enjoy my back out. I can't go out there. She's also furious at cigarette smoke. Wolf. Wait, is it, is it, is it, is it, is, 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 she says I can't enjoy my backyard. I can't go out there. Um, is that the excuse she's using for all of this horrible overgrowth here? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not my fault. It's not my fault that the weeds have basically taken over the yard and it looks like the Amazon jungle. It's not my fault. The reason I can't tend to the backyard duties because the neighbors keep cooking barbecue and it just smells like fish, like fish out there. She's also furious at cigarette smoke wafting into her yard. So angry, she's taken her right for a fume-free existence all the way to the WA Supreme Court. (laughs) Do you think they're doing this on purpose? Absolutely. Of course they are. It's deliberate. Yeah, they're deliberately doing things in their own backyard. (laughs) Do you think they're deliberately cooking barbecues in their own back? Oh, yeah. They're definitely doing it on purpose. They definitely, like, when they put the lighter up to the cigarette and light the cigarette and then blow smoke out of their mouth, it's definitely premeditated. It's premeditated barbecuing. Like, they went out, they bought the steak, they bought the gas, they fired up the grill, they got it to a certain temperature. Like, all it's like they're planning a murder, man. It's def, They're definitely doing it on purpose. It's a premeditated oppression cycle going on here. That's what I said to the court. It's deliberate. It's and deliberate. the smell is just the start of her complaints against two separate neighbours on Rochford Way. They've just banged the, the wall at any time when I've been sleeping. Ah. Then their kids with their basketballs, they're just banging and vib- it vibrates the, this part of the house. Ah. It's been devastating. Devastating. It's been a turmoil. Turmoil. It's been unrest. Um, I haven't been able to sleep. It was thrown out of court and despite the anger, the neighbours just want to be left alone, declining an interview, telling us they want to keep the peace. Look at, and see, the neighbours could do their own fire back. The camera crew comes around to your place and says, look, your neighbour is complaining about barbecues and kids playing basketball and cigarette smoke and stuff. Would you like to respond? And again, like a normal person would, a normal person would say, look, no thanks. 
Like, she's been complaining for a while. I just want to stay out of it. I don't want to be on TV for this garbage. You know what I mean? That's what that's a normal human response. The abnormal thing to do is to take it to court. The abnormal thing to do is to call up the, you know, the news station and get get an interview on the news and complain about how they're deliberately cooking barbecues to oppress you. That's the abnormal thing. The normal thing is like, nah, look, don't worry. I'm I'm not I'm not dealing with her. I I don't want to talk to that chick. She's mental, so I'm just staying out of it, keeping the peace, you know what I mean? Juan invited us into the backyard to show he's even removed the barbecue and told his children to stop playing basketball. Going to the Supreme Court is an extreme option. The other neighbour, no who shit. also wanted to be anonymous, said in a statement, Ms Cardin's demands were proven to be not reasonable and indeed were to the detriment of the other owner's ability to enjoy their lots in a reasonable and acceptable manner. Who, who, would, have thought, who would have thought that a, a vegan would make unreasonable demands? <laughs> Not hashtag not all vegans. Who would have thought that an angry vegan would make unreasonable demands? Like that's news to me. It's very different. But the legal battles aren't over just yet. No. Silla Cardin is vowing to return to court Why? to continue the fight against her neighbours. If you're having a dispute, the first step is you should go next door and try and sort it out face to face. Yeah, has she ever done that? Has she ever gone next door and knocked on the door and said, "Look, I'm sorry." I don't want to be a pain, but <clears throat> I'm trying to get some sleep. Would you mind, like, you know, the basketball? Like, I don't, I don't want to stop your kids playing basketball, but, you know, like 10 o'clock at night, it shakes like the whole side of the house. Would it be okay if, you know, you just kept it to, like, daylight or something? At night time, it's a little bit too much. And, again, a normal person response would be, yeah, sure. Sorry, I didn't even know. No problem. No problem. Sorry about that. I'll keep an eye on them. How are you doing? Everything good? Yeah, great. But was she doing that or did she go straight to calling the police? Did she go straight to like sitting in the backyard going, shut the fuck up <laughs> again with the fucking barbecue? Fuck you. And then look all innocent with your makeup on on TV. It's just it's just turmoil and it just smells like fish. Which which way do you think it went? Because if you don't do it that way, um, you're going to be up for a world of misery. Yeah. Exactly what I've wanted from the word go is to live my life in peace and to get on with my life. No, 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 no. What you want from the word, word go is to dictate what other people do with their life. See, you see the difference here, sweetheart? What you've wanted from what you're asking for is to have sovereign right over your neighbor's yard and your neighbor's activity. You want to dictate what your neighbour can cook in on their own property. You want to dictate what the neighbours can do on their own property and you're using this guise of, you know, I just want to live my life. <clears throat> no, no. It's not about you living your life. It's about you dictating how other people live their lives. And that's generally the problem when it comes to this, like, hard-edge activism, isn't it? This activist mindset. It's always under the guise of, well, I just want to live my life. When in reality, it's about changing the way other people live their lives over and over and over again. Well, I've got good news, ladies and gentlemen. People were asking in the chat, what's wrong with Australia? Australia, what the hell are you doing? Barbecue, barbecues are synonymous with Australia. This is Australiana. And if you thought that we would give up that easily, then I've got news for you. Cookout planned out. Cookout planned outside vegans' house. Who wants neighbors' barbecue banned? Yes, <laughs> the community has responded. 
to the un- unreasonable demands of an angry vegan trying to dictate what people do in their own backyard. A Perth vegan who took her neighbours to the Supreme Court over cooking... Bo- See, this is the other thing. If you escalate, if you escalate the situation and you take it to the Supreme Court, don't be surprised when it comes right back at you. You could have done the reasonable thing. You could have knocked on the door. You could have asked politely. You could have had all of these other solutions, but you had to kick it up a notch. (laughs) And now the people of Perth are kicking it up two notches. A Perth vegan who took her neighbours to the Supreme Court over cooking barbecues in their backyard might have bitten off more than she could chew, with thousands of people planning to attend a community barbecue outside her home in response. thousands it's not going to be one it's not going to be two the the street is going to smell like meat and fish for the foreseeable future the this there are going to be so many barbecues cooking so many animals that it will be embedded in the in the drywall of her home <laughs> Silla Cardern claimed her neighbors had intentionally created turmoil in her life by smoking cigarettes bouncing balls and cooking meat near her fence I can't enjoy my backyard. I can't go out there. It's been devastating. It's been turmoil. It's been unrest. I haven't been able to sleep. A Supreme Court judge and the State Administrative Tribunal dismissed her case and subsequent appeals. However, the massage therapist has said she won't give up her fight. Well, if you want to keep going. <laughs> Seems like the neighbourhood is is more than willing to step up to the, to the plate, keep the fight going themselves. In response to Miss Carden's complaints, a Facebook event called Community Barbecue for Silla Carden <laughs> has been created online. At the time of publishing, 4,600 people have said they are attending the event with another 10,000 indicating interest. Silla Carden has a problem with her neighbours cooking meat on their barbecue because she's a vegan, the events page reads. Don't let Scylla destroy a good old Aussie tradition. Join us for a community barbecue in protest of her actions and help Scylla Carden get some pork on her fork. <laughs> it's, it's dumb, but I love it. The page describes the event as a peaceful protest. That's very clever because if you make it a protest, then that changes the rules, see? If it's a peaceful protest, then that changes the whole game. It's a lot more difficult to shut down a peaceful protest and warns attendees not to enter Miss Carden's property. Listen to this. They really are kicking it up a notch. The front yards of participating neighbours will be available for use. Food trucks will be parked in participating neighbours' driveways. (laughs) So it's not just barbecues. Now we're going to have food trucks. It's going to be like an open-air food court now. Support has been flooding the event page from all over the world with people suggesting ideas for the public event. Can a street basketball tournament for children also be arranged? <laughs> oh, you were really upset about that one kid playing basketball in his backyard. Now we've got 50. Now there's going to be 50. We're going to be having a basketball tournament all day. <laughs> Uh, kids of all ages and abilities are welcome to play. It could be arranged with the council to close the road for a community event, get a couple of rings and temporary courts set up on the road adjacent to the barbecue. I love it. I would love to come and bring some meat to put on the grill, but I live in Florida. Who doesn't like a good cookout? You Australians really know how to throw a party. There you go. Well done, Australia. Just Just when we thought you know, just when you thought that Australia was giving up on the barbecue and bending the knee to vegan demands, 
giving up on, you know, Australiana traditions. They're like, nah, fuck it. <laughs> Let's get the whole city out for a barbecue. Enough with this. There you go. Makes it, <sighs> brings a tear to my eye. <laughs> Very proud to be an Aussie. All right, is it is it late enough to do blue stuff? Is it late enough to go blue? You tell me. Press one in the chat if you're ready to get dirty. Press two if you're not. <laughs> I think I can I think I can anticipate the response here. Who wants to get dirty? Let's talk about sex, baby. Okay, the ones are flooding in. The ones are flooding in. All right, we're ready. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a very special treat for you. I have unearthed one of the sauciest, one of the hottest women on the internet. You are not going to believe this. If you're standing, sit down. If you're sitting, lie down. And if you're driving, please pull over because this is going to make it very hot under the collar. This is going to this is going to steam up your windows more than a barbecue next door will. This is going to be hotter than fish on a grill. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you the hottest, the hottest commodity on the internet. 83-year-old Hattie. Let's go. I'm on Tinder to find young lovers. <laughs> I'm comfortable. Not wearing underwear, though. Ah! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it, get, it gets better. <laughs> Oh, what a saucy old we'll babe. For a drink. If it seems like it's going to be good, we'll go right up to my apartment. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> and we make love. We fuck. <laughs> Here we go. New York. Where else? Where else but New York City? <laughs> Nana! Nana, not another black man in our bed. <laughs> I had to show I'm meeting a black guy. You fine. Man, I'm going to hit that ass. Hit that ass all night, motherfucker. You fine. My name is Hattie, and uh, I'm 83 years old. Nice. I think I know more about male's genitalia than any doctor. I may not know more than a gay man, but I do. She's, she's saying, I'm only, I'm, I'm pretty degenerate, but I'm not as degenerate as gay men. <laughs> so she's pretty, she's pretty high up there. She's right around the, right around the mark. Oh, I, I know about guys. Yeah. Oh, okay. spread them. Patty, 83. Fascinating older beauty. Fascinating older a beauty. Steady younger friend lover for a shared life of adventure and passion. No pro Trump and no players. No pro Trump. No pro Trump. Hattie. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I do. If there are any Trump supporters in the audience, you need to understand your standing in the world here. You, <laughs> you need to know. That Hattie, the oversexed 83-year-old who knows more about genitalia than anybody on earth except for gay men, who meets people on Tinder, talks to them for five minutes, and then in her own words, and then we fuck. You need to know that if you're a Trump supporter, you ain't good enough to hit this. 
you can't have this. You can't hit this ass. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I will I will fuck a rabbit skin on the end of a pitchfork before I have sex with a Trump supporter. <laughs> no Trump supporters. <laughs> Hattie's picky. Hattie's picky. Just picky enough. Only date younger men? Well, first of all, most men my age aren't around anymore. Older men are worried about aging, and that makes sense. <laughs> Smitty in the chat's like, can I vote, change my vote to two? <laughs> so we're rolling now. We're in, we're in the middle of it now. I'm worried about aging. Everyone is worried about aging. <laughs> but a younger guy is not thinking aging. No. They're not afraid. Well, sometimes they'll lose an erection because something goes wrong, but mostly <laughs> they're not concerned that they're not going to be hard and they're not going to be able to deliver for the woman. <laughs> Like the younger the younger guys I fuck, they're not concerned with aging. Do you reckon they become concerned with aging when they're like on top <laughs> and they're staring down at Hattie? I'm like, wait. <laughs> I never really thought about my own mortality until this moment. <laughs> I thought I was gonna live forever. And then I met Saucy Hattie on Twitter. <laughs> and younger men, I mean, a while now. They get off on getting a woman off. Mm. Very different from when I was younger. I've been on TV for about eight <laughs> And back then, when I was younger, uh, w- to find a man, we used to go out, we used to, when we leave the cave, and go out and find the men who would uh, drag down the biggest dinosaur and drag it back to the cave, I knew that was the strapping young cock for me. Months. I like the ones with open smiles um, and that look healthy. See, now this guy says he's 57. He's probably 26. <laughs> but he purposely does that. Uh, now She's this a guy... expert. She's an expert. She's going through the Tinder profiles. <laughs> okay, this guy says he's 57, but he's probably 26. They do that on purpose so they can have sex with me and other 80-year-olds. <laughs> this guy... <laughs> he's with his mother. Aww. So... I don't think that that's a good idea. And his mother is old enough to be your daughter. <laughs> Give me the chats like, am I the only one that thinks she's adorable? No, I don't have a problem with it. I just think it's funny. And if if you're going to put it on the internet, well, then we're going to watch it. You know what I mean? But I don't, I don't care. Old ladies on Tinder, why not? Old ladies need love too, apparently. <laughs> and, and apparently they need the... Uh, the strong erect love that only a young man who doesn't care about his own death can deliver. <laughs> older men, a lot of their life's work has already been achieved. I love younger men because they're in the middle of an <laughs> achievement, of a goal. There's the excitement of creating. I'm st- wanna- <laughs> the excitement. The excitement of creating things soon dies off when they meet Hattie, though. Because those ovaries aren't producing. <laughs> I just love them because they're in the middle of stuff. They're in the middle of it. Still creating, and I'm still moving forward on my life goal, and it's wow. exciting. Oh, look! What is, what is her life goal at this point? 1,000 dicks before I reach 100. He came up. Okay, so let's see what he looks like. I love giving orgasms. I love getting them. So now I have a steady stream. So I didn't mean to put it that way. I have a steady uh, selection of young men. Steady selection. 
This tall guy from Ecuador. He was attracted. She's not going. She's not going without a, t- a tall guy from Ecuador. <laughs> Can I see some paperwork, please, sir? Give it to me. So I said, "Okay, let's go." So we go to my let's apartment. Go. And then after I said to him, by the way, how old are you? And he says, 19. 19, <laughs> yes. And I didn't know he was 19 because I probably wouldn't have gone to bed with him if I knew it. In, I'll, I'll, I'll share with you some secret men's business. When you're a younger guy, when you're like 17, 18, 19, uh, it is your responsibility as a young man to go to bed with an older woman. You know, maybe late 30s, early 40s. They, the, the term for it is a tour of duty. So young guys will ask each other, have you done a tour of duty? <laughs> now, I don't know what this uh, 19-year-old guy from Ecuador's social circle is like, but if he walked into the bar and he was asked by his friends, have you gone on a tour of duty? And he said, yes, 83. <laughs> I don't know if he would be welcomed into the fold. I don't know if he'd be celebrated, have drinks bought for him, or if he would be shunned. If he would be disowned, it's a 50-50 call, but it might be worth the risk. I'm not sure. Okay, so my feet are in, and I lie back. <laughs> because you, <laughs> you've got to get on the inversion table once a day to make sure the blood is flowing back up into the hips and back up into the parts where the blood needs to be, so we can still feel all we need to feel. This provides circulation for everything, and it takes all the stress off. (laughs) Angela in the chat, my husband married a tour of duty. (laughs) Then he's doing it wrong. He's doing it wrong. You're supposed to go home after your tour of duty ends. You're only supposed to spend a short amount of time there taking bullets, taking one for the team, and then you get the hell out. (laughs) He got buried overseas. That's it. That's it. This is how I keep my breasts perky. (laughs) Every day, two hours a day, I get on my inversion table, get my breasts moving back in the right direction, which is toward my chin, instead of toward my navel. Gotta keep those lips tight. All I wanted to do is get married. She wasn't ugly when she was younger. You know what I mean? She wasn't ugly. Definitely doable. Definitely doable. I mean, you know, 65 years ago. <laughs> and have a family. My husband and I, former husband, had a wonderful sex life. Former and when husband. the children went off to college, a lot of the dynamics broke down. So we got divorced. And then he remarried. And I thought, and I'll remarry. And it didn't work that way. But I was horny. And from that point on... <laughs> I was 55, and I put an ad in the paper. Natalie Joe, very, very observant Natalie Joe. She's living in a hotel. She's a prostitute. <laughs> she might be. I'm not sure. Maybe she's just an old girl who gets young guys to buy shit for her. Maybe, you know, like an, like an older man might keep, a, you know, a 19 or 20-year-old girl set up in a hotel room somewhere with enough drugs and money to get by so they can just turn up and screw them when they want. You know, to have sex on tap. Maybe she is somebody's sex on tap for someone else, right? We didn't have the internet. And then I got a series of lovers, one after the other. They left their names on my answering machine. And I auditioned them. And I had a lot of dates and met a lot of men. But all the while, 
I, w- I really love the hairstyle too. The uh, the gangland, the nineteen seventies era gangland steps on the back of the neck. It's a real turn on. I was praying, this one's gonna go to bed with me, and say I want to be with you forever. I wanted to keep having sex all the time, but <laughs> I didn't have a resident. This would be three tours. God, she nearly took it off. Looking good, Hattie. The emotional side yeah. was bad. Mm. I would cry. I would say, I so much want that person. And I was carrying on like that for decades. Wow. And I would get depression. I was carrying on like that for decades. And then I, <laughs> and then I just kind of snapped out of it. <laughs> and I woke up one day and I was 75 and said, you know what? I'm just going to go out and get myself some dick. How about that? It may never happen. I may die before it happens. So I came up with... A... I may die before that happens. You might die at any minute. <laughs> Some might say you're on borrowed time, Hattie. you got to make the most of it. Psychological surgical procedure. And it's called a heartectomy. And what you do is you cut the connection between your heart and your... <laughs> and then... Fine. Okay. If there are any younger ladies still in the chat, I'd be very surprised, first of all. But second, um, you know, they say we're supposed to look to our elders. You've got to look to your elders for guidance. You're supposed to look to your elders to hand down wisdom. Imagine sitting down with Grandma Hattie, who's always late to the family barbecue, always looking disheveled, or her dress is always, you know, at the wrong angle or backwards or something like that. I'm sorry I'm late. Her makeup is all smudged. And she walks in, she sits down, she pours, a, pours herself a nice Chardonnay. Just gather around, gather around, grandkids. Uh, Grandma Hattie, Nana Hattie is going to tell you about the real world. <laughs> and she says, what you want to do, don't worry about marriage. Don't focus on getting married and having kids and stuff. That, that was old school. That was, that was the old connection. What you need to do is have a heartectomy. I'm sorry, a what, Nana? A heartectomy. So, because, see, sometimes taking copious amounts of penis in all of your various orifices uh, can leave you feeling empty and depressed. It can make you feel like you're not really appreciated. It can make you feel like a plaything, like you're being used and that you're not really loved. Yes, copious amounts of penis in every hole can do that to you over the course of six or seven decades. So, what you need to do is cut the connection between your heart and your vagina (laughs) and just... Allow your vagina to be used and abused and turned into a STD-riddled pincushion for the next 60 years. That's the path to true happiness. That's how you get everything you want in life and more. Just stop caring. <laughs> Just stop caring. Just stop loving. Just stop having a heart. Just take just take D at every possible opportunity for as long as possible and stop wanting more. And then you'll be happy. It's like, bravo. Bravo. Grandma Hattie. Well done. <laughs> should we go? Should we stay on the blue thing? All right, we'll stay on the blue thing. I saw this video come up the other day. Sex doll factory tour. <laughs> Who wants to go on a tour of a sex doll factory? Now, because now I'm going to uh, implant into you guys, the audience, a very, uh, very troubling conundrum. Would you rather have sex with Hattie or would you rather have sex with a plastic head on a stick? That's what you're going to have to ask yourself now. 
Damn Chinese taking our jobs. This is an Australian video, an Australian company. Why the why the Chinese always taking our jobs? Taking our jobs. Can't can't we make sex dolls here in Australia? Can't we make our own stuff? I don't understand. How do do we know if the Chinese really get like the dimensions right and stuff like that? Do they really know? Do they really understand all there is to know about the Australian female? Is Mr. Dollbanger? <laughs> Don't implant anything into me, Boogie. I'm not a professional by any stretch of the imagination. This is a very small program with a very small audience and a you know very small little podcast here. But perhaps, if I might, a word of advice. If you're going to give a tour of a sex doll factory, don't start with The Office. <laughs> I'm pretty sure people clicking on this link really aren't interested in seeing an office. They really have you taken the tour of the sex doll factory? Yes. Did you see the computers that they're using in there? Did you see the desk? Oh my god, the coffee machine was out of this world. How did they get all that in there? <laughs> Look at this desk. This is amazing. Who knew? <laughs> so don't start with the office. You need to go straight to uh, the sex doll part of the sex doll factory. Applying to inquiries little bit of design and general admin work. But, um, general yeah, admin let's work. Look. Let's take a stroll. Let's have a look around this place. I mean, we've got offices. Oh. Ah. Uh -uh. Here is where they're... Wow, that's creepy. <laughs> That's really creepy, and I don't I don't get you know weirded out by much. I'm I've I, I, at this stage of my life I feel like I've pretty much seen it all, so I can pretty much. I mean, we just watched Hattie talking about how much she loves dick, so you know how who could possibly be offended at this point? But <laughs> look at the look at the faces in the cabinet. Oh, it's like something out of a horror movie. Do you know what it reminded me of when I saw it? It reminded me of this. I'm going to show you this. Let's put this audio to this video. This is what it reminded me of when I saw it. Fans of Game of Thrones will recognize this. Uh, I think this is sort of the birth center of a lot of the heads. So uh, <laughs> WM has always been famous for having many, many heads and faces. Uh, <laughs> for people who don't. Time, so uh, this is actually only just a. For people who don't know. This is the god of many faces, the temple of the god of many faces in Game of Thrones, where, like, they're secret assassins and they cut the faces off their victims to then wear them as masks to go and assassinate other people, right? 
Here is where they've, uh, I think this is sort of the birth centre of a lot of the heads, so um, <laughs> WM has always been famous the house for of black and white, yes. heads and faces. Um, they've been around a long time, so uh, this is actually only just a small example of the amount of heads that WM has. Uh, some of them are old, some of them are new, but uh, if you just pan across, you can see a lot of the earlier creations and then uh, moving on to a lot of the newer ones. <laughs> it just fits perfectly, styles. doesn't it? <laughs> These are obviously just the casts they have. <laughs> WM has, uh, this is just a very, very small percentage of the heads they have, uh, so a very, very small fraction. They actually have a total of uh, around 400 heads right now. <laughs> Uh, this is a demonstrates how long they've been in business and how successful they have become. Very successful. There you go. <laughs> so, an abundance of heads and faces you can choose with WM. There are many, many, many. An abundance of heads and faces. Let's check out the display lobby, shall we? This factory is actually one of two. They have a second factory. Oh, a second so, factory. Uh, they have been expanding no, let's skip a ahead. lot. So, this is just one of I want to see some bodies here. Here we go. The business end. As I said, these are... <laughs> For a second there, I thought that one standing there up against the wall was actually a human being. <laughs> They're all sitting around looking very casual. Kind of looks like an Asian whorehouse, doesn't it? They're all sitting in one room because the rent's cheaper. Kind of the dolls that they might take. They have a trade show. They might grab a few of these. They yep. might grab a few newer models. Right. Um, a trade when show. They do their photography. This is not the space. That's why their pictures look so amazing. They're done in a proper photography studio with yep. a professional photographer. Yeah. That's how they make their uh, photography look so amazing. But yeah, these are kind of like just the dolls that might come out to the trade show. Um, a lot of the older ones. Look, some of the older ones here, when they first started, this is quite early. Imagine being a sex doll. Like, I imagine a fear for some women is when, as I, I would say, like, women who got by on their looks, specifically. You know, not pretty women who are good people and stuff and have nice personalities, but I'm talking about the good-looking women who were real bitchy to people growing up and, like, just used their looks to get whatever they want. And as they age... As they get into like their late 30s and early 40s and mid 40s, they then start, you know, if they marry a rich husband or something, I imagine that some of them would start to have a fear that they're going to be traded in. You've heard this term, traded in for a younger model. Now, imagine if you were an inanimate sex doll <laughs> getting filled with the getting filled with the angry semen of some obese guy who lives in a basement somewhere. And you... <laughs> You get traded in for a younger model sex doll. It's like, I haven't even aged here. Oh, well, now now there's like there's brand new pulsating vaginal technology. So I'm sorry. You're basically just a, a plastic pin cushion. You're going to, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to trade you in. Get myself a younger model. Get something fresh. I mean, how depressing. <laughs> even, even, the, even the inhuman sex dolls can be traded in for younger models. Um, men, men really are awful creatures. And yeah, just just a nice mix. It's a nice mix. 
Smithy. Uh, Smithy in the chat. Gee, what's Robert Kraft doing there? There you go. Uh, tour of a sextile factory. The god of many faces. Um, Let's break it up a bit. I do have more blue stuff for you. I do have more. Raunch. Are you trying to give me nightmares? Absolutely. Since we're on a bit of an Australian tear, we've had the Perth vegan complaining about the barbecue. Australians fighting back in the streets with their barbecues. Thanks, Platinum Mimi. Thanks for joining us. Um, we had the Australian taking a tour of the sex doll factory. Let me show you something that's very Australian. Uh, to anybody who is into drones and remote control hobbies and stuff like that, you'll really appreciate this. Australians are at the forefront when it comes to aviation. Yeah, I bet, I bet you thought, because most of you are American, I bet you thought that America had the best technology, you know, stealth bombers, right? All of these super drones that can fly up at, you know, outer atmospheric levels and spy on people and drop bombs on terrorists all over the world and they're completely unmanned. And I bet you thought you were at the forefront of this tech. Well, I've got news for you. Down here in little old Australia, we are pushing the boundaries to new and exciting levels. Look at this. A pair of larrikins have taken fishing to new heights, casting a line while dangling from a custom-made drone. Yes, it's true. <laughs> Sam and the fly fishing drone inventor Tim French join us now from Melbourne. Ladies and gentlemen, a big round of Because what do Australian men <laughs> what do Australian men do on their day off? They drink beer and they fish and they were like, how can we make this more intense? How can we add to this experience? What if we fished whilst hanging, you know, 30 meters in the air? from a small plastic drone. Would that would that be something we could focus on? Sounds great, bro. Let's do it, man. Applause for these. They get a round of applause. Boys, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us on. Thank you. You idiots. No, don't call them idiots. You geniuses. Boys, let me just say first geniuses. of all, congratulations. Who thought of this idea? Where did it come from? Um, oh, there's a group of us. I See, Nathan's in the chat like, we put guns on our drones. Fuck that. We put beer and fishing poles, man. <laughs> Come on. Where's your priorities? What good is a drone unless you can sit there on a lawn chair and drink beer and fish? You just give us an idea of them. Let's have a look. It was pretty successful, so it was only one major crash. I want to have a look at the footage again, <laughs> and you just give us an idea of the moment that you realised this wonderful idea had become a reality. Right, as soon as we were a couple of mil off the ground, it felt so stable. We weren't spinning. I wasn't getting tilted out. It was we like weren't a ride spinning. down Luna Park. It was perfect. I <laughs> couldn't have went stig. better. How did you celebrate? Uh, we had a couple of bottles of champagne ready to go. A couple of VB stubbies. A couple of paramedics there too, just in case. Uh, <laughs> we, ha we actually have, we've got a special guest on today. We've actually got the pilot from the uh, pilot. stunt. So he's there, he's not allowed to talk, but that, that's the guy in control. Is that the speaking role? <laughs> just explain why you've got to hide his identity. Um, just because of the legalities, we're not 100% we're not sure. We've tried to check it out. Why are you hiding the identity of the pilot of the drone? Well, just because of the legalities? Like, we're not sure if it's entirely legal? Would you like to do a television interview with your names and faces on national TV? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> 
We'll hide his identity because we don't know if we're breaking the law or not, but we'll happily go on TV to discuss it with you. <laughs> That's Australia for you. Australia. All right. Back to the smart. Ladies and gentlemen, who wants to be a porn star? I know uh, for a couple of years there, I was, uh, you know, backpacking around Eastern Europe, spent a little time in the Hungarian porn industry. Now, let me tell you, it's not all hatties. It's not all hatties and sex doll factories. It's hard work. And what you really want is somebody to show you the ropes, so to speak. (laughs) You really need somebody to, if there was some way to get eased in to a life in the porn industry, then that would definitely be something that, you know, potential porn stars should look at, especially the men. It's quite easier. It's a lot easier for the girls. You know, the girls just kind of kick back and they take what's being delivered. But the guys, there's pressure. There's pressure to perform. And somebody, ladies and gentlemen, has opened up a very vital service, instructing, teaching, training, boot camping men on how to be at their absolute best on the set when the camera starts rolling. Have a look. All right, I think we're going to have to call it, ladies. Yeah. Okay, so uh, what's going on right now is we have a before a brand new performer uh, in there uh, that's having a hard time getting hard. Right now we've all had to leave the room because he needs to be able to focus. It's just wasting people's time. If he can't get hard within the next, let's say, 10 minutes, you're out. You're out. It's brutal. Vancouver. Getting in the adult industry can be very, very intimidating. You can get a little bit of stage fright, and sometimes guys' dicks don't work. It can be hard to control that because the cock has a mind of its own. <laughs> when really doesn't. <laughs> the reason I'm showing you this is because I want to show you the, the, the people that run this establishment more than anything else. It's not so much about the stories of the guys. It's about the story of the person and persons that run this place, this porno boot camp that I found most interesting. You're a fan and you read the porno boot camp synopsis. It's very intimidating. Who's running the set? Who's controlling the mood? It's Samantha. Sam is the reason I'm I'm here. If it wasn't for Sam, I wouldn't be in this game. She, She does want a lot and expects a lot from us. I have like a reputation of being like a hard, tough love kind of person. She's hardcore. She's she's a brutal businesswoman. Samantha like, Mac, ladies and gentlemen. I got shit to do. When it comes down to it, we're making movies here. It just has stunts with your cock involved. That's all. <laughs> That's I all am it is. Samantha Mac. We are in my first porno studio. We have the classic <laughs> double-ended dildo. It's been used in many a film, especially when you're... Sometimes, because there's a, there's a place for traditionalism in this business. There's a place to, for the classics. Stepdad's yelling at you. I am a film producer, if anybody important asks, but really, I'm a smut peddler. <laughs> I'm trying to create a porn industry in Canada. I learned really quickly shooting a couple mainstream scenes that just because you have sex under the covers with the lights off does not mean you know how to have sex. So we developed that into this program called Porno Bootcamp. Now it's my business and it's amazing and I love it. And now when somebody comes here to shoot, I can say, yeah, I've got three guys who can all lead a scene well and they get put into categories. Can this guy do VR? Can he do POV? 
I, can I take out my jacket? It's like kind of hot here. <laughs> is that okay? Or is that not allowed? Oh, God. Have you seen a traditional casting yeah, couch? Horrendous. They're horrible. And tomorrow we're gonna be shooting another porno boot camp. The girls get to pick their partner. Their goal is to eliminate the men. Get them to ejaculate as quickly as possible. Before the time's up, they get eliminated. You're out of the game. You could See, I have this sneaking suspicion. <laughs> I have this sneaking suspicion that this is less this is less about uh trying to get men, you know, physically and mentally prepared for the rigors of the adult industry. I have a suspicion that this is some kind of scheme where these women are just getting men to have sex with them. <laughs> We're talking about, you know, um, in terms of porn star ratings, we're talking about very average women here who are, who are uh, facilitating opportunities for young men. It's like, yeah, 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 we're going to train you how to be a porn star. We're going to train you how to do it properly. <laughs> so, like, it's okay, lay down here, put it here, do this here. I'm like, oh, okay. And, and once you're done, you're out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Look, we're getting offended. We're getting offended by statues on lawn. That offends us, right? We we get offended by chicken shops. We get offended by the smell of a cooking barbecue and children playing basketball. That's offensive. We get offended by all of these things. And meanwhile, we've got porno boot camps. Oh, it's great. It's wonderful. It's liberating. You know, we've got uh, 83-year-old Hattie take it, talking about how much copious amounts of D she likes to take on Tinder and how you need to sever the connection between your heart and your vagina in order to have a, you know, in order to not be depressed to the point of suicide whilst you're engaged. That's fine. That's not offensive. <laughs> Sometimes you just think that everything's kind of backwards, don't you? Get this feeling? Look at this story. Mum wins fight to keep pee-before-we-go license plate because we're talking about offensive things, right? We're talking about things that shouldn't be. We're talking about things that shouldn't be publicly promoted and things that shouldn't be uh, out there because they're too offensive and too upsetting and they make people feel threatened and make people feel sad and it's dangerous and this vulgarity in our society and we need to put a stop to it. Look, look at how crazy we are. Look at the world. <laughs> look how insane everything has become. Look at this. It's a cheeky license plate. P before we go. That's what I tell my kids when we're leaving to go anywhere. Wendy Ogier says she's had the vanity plate for 15 years. <laughs> tell me some of the comments you've heard over the years. So 15 years having a little pun on your license plate. P before we go. <laughs> okay. It's kind of funny. <laughs> no, apparently not. To the good people at City Hall... This, this had to be removed. This had to be banned. This had to be taken away. Almost every time I'm driving, I get thumbs up. I get people taking pictures of it, people laughing and waving. Despite having the plate for all those years, the New Hampshire mom of four just received a letter from the state DMV <laughs> telling her the plate was being recalled. Why? The letter cited a regulation banning vanity plates that referred to excretory acts or function. <laughs> <laughs> it says... Intimate body parts or genitals, sexual or excretory uh, acts or functions. Pee before we go. That's got to go. That's got to get banned. We need to get rid of that. <laughs> 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 
what have you got? What have you got? Like uh, three, you know, relatively unattractive women hosting porno boot camp, teaching men how to get hard on in front of a camera. Yeah, that's fine. Put that up. Put that video out there, man. People need to know this shit is going on. Hattie talking about how well she understands male genitalia. What's the problem with that? What, have you got something against love? I mean, look at these statues on this lawn. That's offensive. It's very threatening to people. Don't even get me started about chicken restaurants. God, it feels so dangerous and threatening here. <laughs> License plate. What does it say? P before we go. Do you mean they're referring to urine? Oh, my God. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. Get rid of it. How dare. How dare you. <laughs> how dare you. Have a, a, a reference to urine on your car. Uh, let's do one more. You are already having sex with robots. What? <laughs> what a great way to end the show. I, you had no idea, did you? You had no fucking idea. You are already having sex with robots. Ladies and gentlemen, the sex robots are everywhere. The sex robots are all around us, and you are probably having sex with a robot right now and didn't even realize it. There's the handsome young half-headed man. Henry, the sex robot, is the mind of a woman trapped in the body of a man. When you, <laughs> Yes, intersectionality is now coming to the sex robot world. How many people have turned to sex robots because they can't keep up with the politics of gender? You know what I mean? They can't keep up with the new rules about how you're supposed to approach a woman, even if you're allowed to refer to a woman as a woman now. They can't keep up. They don't know if, like, it's okay to be with a tranny or not. They don't know what's going on. So they're like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to be safe. I'm just going to have sex with robots instead. They don't ask questions. They don't talk back. What I purchase, f what I purchase is what's on the receipt. That'll do me. I'm fine. I'm in the clear. Well, guess again. Because now you have robots with the mind of a gender of a different kind of robot. When you talk to Henry, you're really talking to the artificial intelligence database, Real Robotics, uh, Realbotics, developed for its female predecessor, Harmony. To masculinize Henry, Realbotics founder and CEO Matt McMullen and five other robot heads sit with Henry doing R&D, which amounts to chatting Henry up. Henry, how was your day? McMullen asks. Just fine, baby. But when are you going to take me out for dinner? The, the humans all look at each other. That didn't sound quite right, McMullen says, and the others agree. The language database they're developing for Henry shouldn't include soliciting nights on the town. Sometimes Henry says things that don't quite fit that you'd more typically expect from a female. Another time they ask Henry what he'd got up to that day, he replied, I went online shopping for panties. Again, no, McMullen clarifies. But if you're trying to create the typical heterosexual man, the team also balked at Henry calling his human con uh, conversation partner Sweetie and Honey. For now, Realbotics sees Henry female-coded speech patterns as a flaw. In the future, as Realbotics expands its offerings to target LGBTQ plus buyers, McMullen thinks they might become an asset for projecting queerness, ladies and gentlemen. Project we need to project queerness into the sex robots. For equality. For tolerance. <laughs> you know, sometimes people say things like in regards to politics or life or whatever, and they go, that'll never happen. Like, you know, attacking free speech, that'll never happen. 
what? The, the government's going to try and take our guns away? That's never going to happen, right? What, China is going to invade the Western world? That's never going to happen. Stop being ridiculous. That's never going to happen. But if you're one of these people who always falls back on this, this idea that, you know, it's never going to happen, then I would put it to you, did you ever think that we would get to a stage where, one, there would be sex robots, two, we would, uh, you know, be promoting, actively promoting and having sex with the sex robots and it wouldn't just be like some idiotic idea on the internet, but three, thinking of ways that we can make the sex robots more transgender friendly. <laughs> Did you ever think that we could inject intersectionality into the sex robot industry? Did you ever think that was going to happen? So next time you want to turn around and, you know, look at some news and say, don't worry, that's never going to happen. Think of this story. <laughs> I want you to think of this. Listen to this. This is the creator of the robot. If you create a male gendered personality with a female mind, that might work well for transgender as long as the character was aware of what genitals it had. <laughs> so, so, so it's not just... It's not good enough just to make the male sex robot think that it's a female. You have to make the male sex robot think that it's a female that knows it has a penis. <laughs> Can you imagine the hours, the boxes of Chinese food that are piled up to the ceiling and the, the amount of chalkboards all around while these sex robot geniuses, these sex robot experts try to grapple with this, <laughs> with this infinite problem. How do we get the male sex robots to act female but understand that they have a dick and know how to use it? I mean, how, how do we do that? <laughs> That's never going to happen. Trying to, trying to make a, a male sex robot sound like a woman but understand that it has a penis? That's never going to happen, man. Don't worry about it. Today's commercial sex robots rely on hard-coding stereotypes into submissive silicon forms, creating moral panic everywhere their dead Siri voices fall on sensitive ears. Realbotics can and does offend on many number of fronts. It's, it's offensive now, you see. <laughs> if you make the female sex robot too stereotypically female, you are now you are now engaging in perpetuating dangerous gender stereotypes. It's, it's not the oversized breasts. It's not the oversized eyes. It's not the life-like, the life-like vagina. <laughs> That's not perpetuating dangerous gender stereotypes. It's when the female sex robot says too many female things, like I was shopping for panties online. Well, who says only a woman can shop for panties? Don't you think that's a little sexist? Don't you think you should make adjustments to your sex robots? <laughs> they, they literally ruin everything. Like if, if you were a malnourished, um, you know, very lonely person who's having sex with a robot, don't worry, don't worry, mate. The SJWs are coming for you too. They're hunting you down next. <laughs> they need you to accept intersectionality into your sex robot nighttime habits, my man. They're coming for you. Still, panicking about implications won't pack the real doll back into its box. Sex robots are here and their AI-enabled pseudo-sexuality isn't long behind. Well, okay, one more story. This was sent through by the General Eaton just to send us off on a tasteful note. Nurse used patient's vagina as ventriloquist dummy to amuse colleagues. <laughs> 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 
a nurse used a patient's vagina as a ventriloquist dummy and pretended to make it talk in front of horrified colleagues at Tribunal. <laughs> the fact that the colleagues were horrified makes the story better. If the colleagues had been laughing and giggling along, then the story wouldn't be as good. But it kind of reminds me of, you know, the manager from the office trying to do something like particularly unfunny and thinking that it's really funny and everyone just kind of looking at him funny. It's like, guys, guys, come in here. Great. I've got to show you this great prank. I've got to show you this thing. <laughs> Reaches down, grabs the JJ, and then starts moving its lips like it's having a conversation. Hello, everybody. <laughs> And the people just standing there with their mouths open, like, <laughs> oh my god! Hello, everybody. People say I'm a real cunt. <laughs> Do you get it? Do you get it? Huh? Do you get it? Feed me. <laughs> what the hell is this? Who hired this person? William Kennedy pulled the patient's labia apart and said, hello, my name is patient A. (laughs) Hello, my name is, hello, my name is patient A, as he examined the vulnerable care home resident. But Kennedy said the socially awkward situation had been blown out of proportion and said he had forgotten to take his medication. It's not my fault. I, I didn't take my medication. <laughs> not the patient. The guy who was seeing to the patient. So he forgot to take his medication. Next thing you know, he's doing impressions with a live human being's vagina to the horror of the onlooking colleagues. <laughs> Your Honour, don't blame me. <laughs> Your Honour, Your Honour, I had a very busy day that day. I, I got up late for work. I forgot to have breakfast. You know, I love a good breakfast. And I forgot to take my medication. So next thing you know, I, I don't even know how it happened. I am prone to blanking out when I forget to take my medication. Next thing you know, I find myself uh, in the care home and my hand is on the vaginal lips of the patient moving them and pretending, you know, in a different voice to be a ventriloquist dummy. I, I, you know, the doctor said I should try not to skip my morning pill. I, you, don't worry. I'm taking that advice on board and I'm going to make sure that it never happens again. The nurse even blamed witnesses for what had happened at uh, Simgeli Lodge Care Home in Blackwood, South Wales. The Nursing and Midwifery Council heard Kennedy was convicted of ill-treating a patient who lacked capacity uh, at Magistrates Court in February 20 last year and given a community order. The hearing was told his current employer at Royal Gwent Hospital in Newport are aware of the conviction. So he's still working at hospitals. He's still working. This Punch and Judy show must roll on. So it's like the old, it's like the snake oil salesman of the old days. He's doing a puppet show. So once he gets chased out of one town, he gets in his horse and cart and trots off to the next hospital. All right, where's the next cunt that I'm going to make famous? <laughs> Hello, my name is Patient A. <laughs> the, N- M- the NMEC, the NMC, pardon me, agreed on a number of conditions to be placed on Kennedy over the next 18 months. Well, that's the main thing. That's the main thing. At least the government, ladies and gentlemen, at least the government has stepped in and said to Kennedy, okay, uh, we don't really want you participating in any more ventriloquist dummy activities with the patient with the patient's vagina. You can keep your job in the medical industry, but please refrain 
from pretending to be a talking vagina. Okay, so we've placed some conditions on you. Uh, please wear gloves from now on. <laughs> and don't film it. There you go. To the horror of onlooking colleagues. Hello, my name is Person A. Uh, all of the links we referred to in tonight's program will be in the show notes, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> Michelle Soaker. This is a side of Boogie I've never seen. See, this you're the, then you're the person I was talking about at the start. Because <laughs> there's always somebody who said, I had no idea he was doing this kind of stuff. I don't like this anymore. I'm out of here. <laughs> Pardon me. It is Wednesday. We've got to finish off on a high note. So much like the the horror of the onlooking audience where the nurse was using the patient's vagina as a ventriloquist dummy, I imagine the horror of the audience looking in here to this particular program. But thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for spending the last hour and a half with me. Uh, I'll be back on Sunday night with Trust and Verify with the Flying Hawaiian James R. Don't forget to follow our friends at Real Person PLTCS and at ChrisMC44, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, besides that, I'll be back on Monday. Uh, Kimmy Jong-un in the chat, why censored? She'll be on tomorrow night with uh, my favorite things at 11 p.m. Have a good show, Kimbo. Until Sunday night, ladies and gentlemen, when we shall meet again. Oh, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. How can I forget the plug <laughs> after all of this? If you'd like to subscribe, please hit the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to use my genitals as a ventriloquist prop, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Until next time, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.